Welcome to the Danny Palmer Show. Does it sound cool if I say it like that? The fucking Danny Palmer Show is back. What's up, Johns? It's a solo pod again. You know, I just don't know. Does it really matter if I do a fucking interview every week? I feel like people can hear interviews in a myriad of places. And frankly, I feel like I've asked my friends to do, like I've asked basically all my friends to do the pod, and they've all done it. And I'm like, don't just keep revisiting. And Tom McCaffrey's like traveling or something. Anyways, I was getting in my head. I'm like, oh, dude, I don't have an interview this week. Does that, does that mean I suck? But then my friend Haley texted me and she's like, the pod last week was funny and great. I'm like, all right, I'll, I'll just keep going. It doesn't fucking matter, Danny. Just provide some decent quality content. I feel like that's all the people really want. You know what I'm saying? Plus, it's like, you know, I've, I've had this pod going for over three years now. I was looking at some like, you know, peers in the comedy industry and... I'm not critiquing or insulting them in any man in any way, but like I've seen that some of them have had a pod and they dropped off, and like this pod has never dropped off. You know, <laughs> it has it does have a worldwide audience to some extent. No, it really does, and like multiple. It's like just keep going, Danny. Just keep going. You know, I really want to at some point be in like a studio and have like video and all this stuff, but like I feel like with the demands of my life, like I work full time at this company. I guess you're not supposed to say what company it is. You know. I try to go to the gym. I try to do stand-up shows. Like, you know, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I suck. But I feel like as long as I keep going, over time it'll get better. Like, the production quality will get better. Right, Danny, just what are you... Honey, what are you doing? You're panicking in your head for no reason. Just do your fucking podcast. All right, sweetie, you're right. That's my girlfriend. If, you're, if this is your first time listening to the pod, I, I have a girlfriend. She has a... a raspy voice that sounds strangely similar to mine that i really can't account for why that our voices are so similar it's just like i guess you know like birds of a feather flock together <laughs> so to speak so yeah all right Jude. last weekend was very exciting i was in providence rhode island opening for my good friend julio gallerati at comedy connection it's an amazing comedy club definitely an a room you know the comics will talk about some clubs are a rooms like they're the best the cream of the crop and there's b rooms and c rooms a fucking room, great place. The owner or manager, Corey's amazing. Like it seats like two hundred plus people. It was fucking sick, dude. It was so cool. Julio killed it. We did two shows Friday, two shows Saturday. Over two hundred people in all four shows. Like just you just feel like a real professional comedian, you know? I told Julio, dude, he's like Julio Gallerati is like an enter he's an a creative enterprise. Like he for four times filled this room and had like the staff the waitresses the managers they're all busy the door lady they're all doing stuff because of the creative output that julio has in his mind it's just very impressive you know it's cool i was talking to him i'm like julio and i are good friends we talk all the time i'm just like think about the like just how comedy starts like people just decide you know what i'm gonna go to to an open mic i'm gonna try stand up and then for some people x number of years later like they are a truly physical creative enterprise where you can just like fill rooms. I mean, I'm obviously not there yet, but like the fact that I know people that have the ability to, to do that and you can just kind of like look at that and be like, dude, that's sick. <laughs> you know what I mean? Wow, honey, really, really, really cerebral. Con- what? Fuck you. What? What am I even saying? None of that made sense. Should I delete it? I'm going to leave it in. Fuck it, dude. One thing that Julio and I did uh, up in Providence was we listened to. He loves like uh, like Hispanic rap, like Bad Bunny and Rosalita and stuff. So we watched some of those videos, and then after uh, 
after Julio left my hotel, I left those like videos playing. And then the song Ignorantes came on. And the guy's like, it's like a breakup song. And he goes, I hope that the puppy scares away your boyfriends. <laughs> Dude, that is such a like plaintiff, cute, sad, pathetic, beautiful sentiment. You know, well, we have a dog together. Maybe the new boyfriends, they won't like the dog won't like them. And then you'll have to get back with me. <laughs> I feel it, dude. It's like, there's a reason that heartbreak songs are so consistent. You know, it's such a piercing and universal human emotion. It's not fun, dude. Just do what I do. Just stay single. See what happens. Just ride it on out, dude. <laughs> Fuck it. Oh, also at the Comedy Connection in Providence, Rhode Island. I It was my first time being in Providence. I had been to like Westerly, Rhode Island, to the beach there. And I'd driven from, or, you know, road, ridden trains or whatever from New York to Boston and vice versa. But I've never, like, been to Providence. So I'm like, okay, I've never been there. And then there's 200 people in the room. And I mentioned, I tried to mention Providence during my set. And I said, Provincetown instead. Dude, that did not go over well. <laughs> I was just immediately corrected by, like, 20 people in the audience. I could just see their faces just kind of, like, tighten up and, like, like, what do you call it when you squint your eyes? Like, I was like, oh, oh, fuck. And this, I thought it was eight minutes in, but I actually listened to that set tonight. They were 20, I was doing 20 minute sets. It was 13 minutes into a 20 minute set that I made that grievous error, dude. And I was like, I'm sorry, I've never been here before. <sighs> and then people kept bringing up some other town in Rhode Island, like We Socket or something. Dude, I don't fucking, what? Somebody said that town because I was like, where do you get meth around here? <laughs> and then they said that town that ends in socket. And I was like, dude. I am not mentioning any more town names up here, you know, but anyways, I was talking to this door lady. She's really sweet. She said that she lived like uh, 30 minutes or miles away from Providence and she has this house in the woods and there's like bear and deer and stuff and she likes to get away from the city and I was just thinking, man, that would be, that could be a really like charming life. I can just see, hear my old co-host of this pod or sorry, I have space with the fuck dude, Zach McGovern hearing this and be like... That sucks, dude, about living in the woods. But there would be something kind of serene and liberating about it, on the other hand, you know? Like, I had this philosophy professor, Tom Trimble, in college, and he was amazing. He said that one of the best summers of his life, he manned a fire tower, like, deep in the woods, I guess, to, like, help keep an eye out to see if forest fires would start. But it's basically just, you're just sitting in a fucking tower by yourself all summer. And he said it was amazing. I love that guy. He, he was a, such a great professor. He said one time he went camping and they were all sitting around uh, a campfire and the people, I guess it was like a communal campfire. So they didn't all know each other. And they kind of went around the room and, uh, or not the room, around the fire and said what they did. And when it got to him, he said, I'm a philosophy professor. And someone said, well, like, how come you guys never seem to get any answers? And he goes, well, I think the hope is not to find answers, but to ask better questions. I was like, ah, oh, dude, that's sick. Okay. Am I fucking like super wise? Is that the vibe y'all are getting? Dude, nice, Danny. You're a loser. You're not wise. All right, sweetie. Why don't you go do something else? It's a small apartment. There's nowhere to go. Fine. And then I took the uh, Amtrak train back from Providence to New York. And I was just kind of looking out at the landscape. I saw this one. It was like the most like haunting scene. It was like this graveyard that overlooked a small like inlet or bay and it was really foggy. And I was just like, dude, 
I feel like New England is a place where you just go to small graveyards and you look out across a foggy small bay and just have dark thoughts about life. <laughs> it seems to be maybe one of the predominant themes there, but what do I know? And then, speaking of New England, this past Monday was the Boston Marathon, Patriots Day, where the Red Sox played. I think it's the only baseball game all year where they play at 11 a.m. And uh, it got me thinking about my favorite Boston Marathon story. Obviously, it's not the bombing, you fucking weirdos. Um, There was this guy that was like running in the marathon, and he was like five miles in. I don't know how far. Dude, I don't know how many fucking miles he was into the marathon when this happened. It doesn't matter. He wasn't that far into the marathon. And then he jogged by his friend's house and he looked over and they were all like in the front yard and they had like beer and, you know, uh, food and they were just like partying and having a great time. And he was like, you know what? Fuck this. So he just stopped running the marathon, kept his number on his shirt all day and just like partied. <laughs> Dude, that is the move. Like if you're ever going to run in the Boston Marathon, just plant your friends about five miles in and then be like, fuck it, dude, I got the number. That's sick. Like, let's just get wasted, you know? All right. On a completely unrelated note, I was reading uh, some article about like, like tech startups and how there's a lot of fraud, like Elizabeth Holmes. There's a bunch of other ones that have occurred recently, like Sam Bankman-Fried with FTX. And this article was referencing Warren Buffett talking about times like this. It says, but when the easy money dries up, everyone parrots the Warren Buffett proverb about finding out who is swimming naked when the tide goes out. After FTX filed for bankruptcy last November, Brian Chesky, the chief executive of Airbnb, updated the adage for millennial tech founders. It feels like we were in a nightclub and the lights just turned on, he tweeted. That is like one of the most darkly depressing things, uh, you know, moments of a night if you're out, like when they're just fucking, this is sick, we're having a great time, we're having a great conversation, the music's good, and then the lights go up. It's like, dude, what the fuck is this? Why are we, this is awful. This is truly awful. And it goes from being fun to the staff just wanting you to get the fuck out. <laughs> oh, also in Providence, me and Julia went to this place. I forget what it was called, but there was like a really big bar. It was fun. It was cool. There, there was like a live music playing cover band it was a cover band and they played like some country blah blah and then all of a sudden there was like this weird ass fight in the side of the bar and it was like right when the uh live music was ending and i just <laughs> julio like saw the whole thing and you know people are fighting whatever in a bar it happens but the lead singer of the band he could see the fight from across the bar and i couldn't see what he was looking at and you could just see he was trying to like wrap up his set and have this like warmly conclusive moment you know in this kind of beautiful scene of like we're listening to live music and it's saturday or friday night and we're having a great time and it's like this warm thing and then he just sees the fight and he's like ah you could just see he wanted to like just start shouting and be like what the fuck get off him ah! but he couldn't have done that because i would have spoiled the moment and he was like you know in charge of the room like he was the captain of the room and that would have derailed the the you know beautiful little moment end of his set and you could just see him like you know, weighing those two poles in his head of fuck this. That's ridiculous. I need to stop. You're fucking up our vibe with no, even though the vibe is being fucked up, you need to maintain the spirit of that vibe. Like you just got to kind of fight through it. And he, I thought he did a good job of it. So I don't know. I don't know if that was entertaining to me. It was all right. Yeah. They weren't even there. Why would they care? All right. I can fucking relay a story, honey. You're not being nice to me. Yes, I am. All right. I read this thing uh, this week or you know, last few days here called the Eisenhower box. It's like a productivity tool. I'm like, what the fuck is the Eisenhower box? Apparently Dwight D Eisenhower dude. this guy did a lot of fucking shit. You know, I like when I think of Dwight D Eisenhower, I'm just like, 
Well, first of all, I'm like, is that FDR? <laughs> no, it's the other guy. So, so Dwight D. Eisenhower had this productivity tool that he used to like eliminate time-wasting activities. But listen to some of the shit that he did. I thought this was pretty interesting. He was the 34th president of the United States. He served two terms from 1953 to 1961. He launched programs that directly led to the development of the interstate highway system in the U.S., the launch of the internet through DARPA. Was that Defense Advanced Research Projects or something like that? The exploration of space, NASA, and the peaceful use of alternative energy sources, the Atomic Energy Act. He did all that while president. Then before he was a president, he was a five-star general in the army. He served as the supreme commander of the Allied forces in Europe during World War II. And he was responsible for planning and executing invasions of North Africa, France, and Germany. Dude, what the fuck? How does any one person do one one hundredth of those things, dude? And then at other points along the way, he served as president of Columbia University. He became the first supreme commander of NATO. And he somehow somehow found time to pursue hobbies like golfing and oil painting. I mean, how can one person accomplish all of these things? You know, I'm just sitting in my little apartment watching the fucking Clippers play the play the Suns. This guy's crushing, but he's also super dead. So I do have that going for me. <laughs> Anyways, he had an incredible ability to sustain his productivity, not just for weeks or months, but for decades. So his methods for time management, task management, and productivity have been studied by many people, which leads to the Eisenhower box. So his strategy for taking action and organizing your tasks is simple. There's a decision matrix consisting of four elements, and you separate your actions based on four possibilities of what you could do. The first category, can you hear my dishwasher? I don't think you can. The first, cate- first category is urgent and important. These are tasks that you will do immediately. They're both urgent and important. The second category, important, but not urgent. Tasks you'll schedule to do later. Category three, urgent, but not important. Those are tasks you can delegate to someone else. I guess in this little fucking world, you just have fucking minions. The Eisenhower box is great if you have fucking minions, dude. On the number four, uh, neither neither urgent nor important. And you just eliminate those tasks. So you can use that for kind of like broad life plans about how I should spend my time each week or each year. And then also for smaller daily plans, like what should I do specifically today? Okay, I'm obviously not going to walk through in depth like each of these fucking tools, but there were a few more key points of this article I thought were useful to share that you might be able to apply in your own life. I'm trying to apply to mine. Um, There's a difference between urgent and important. Eisenhower said that what is important is seldom urgent and what is urgent is seldom important. But then why would it be... How could it only be seldom important if it's urgent? I don't know. Urgent things, urgent tasks are things that you feel like you need to react to, like emails, phone calls, texts, news stories. Meanwhile, in the words of Brett McKay, whoever the fuck that is, important tasks are things that contribute to our long-term mission, values, and goals. I've been trying to do it like every year, just like write down what you accomplish that year, what you'd like to accomplish in the next year, and just really using like principle a principled approach. I don't mean principled like having morals. I mean like these are the principles that I want to adhere to about the things that are important to me in my life. Using that as your guide to to plan your day-to-day life when you're actually executing. Um, anyways, the Eisenhower framework matrix is like this clear framework for making these decisions over and over. Obviously, consistency is the hard thing to do. Um, all right. Last thing I'll say. There is no... This is a quote from Kevlin Henney. No idea who that is. He said, there is no code faster than no code. In other words, the fastest way to get something done, whether it is having a computer read a line of code or crossing a task off your to-do list is just to eliminate the task altogether. There's no way 
There's no faster way to do something than not doing it at all. And that's not a reason to be lazy, but rather a suggestion to force yourself to make hard decisions and delete any task that does not lead you towards your mission, your values, and goals. That's kind of interesting, huh? I've been trying to think about that more too. It's like, what the fuck am I doing with this fucking... You know what I really like to do? And maybe this is... I don't know. Maybe it's lame, but I kind of think it's not. I like to like post a story on Instagram and then look at the people that liked it or that viewed it just because it reminds me of who my friends are. Because <laughs> I forget, you know? I'm fucking 47. I've had like several chapters and phases in my life. You probably have too. It's like, do you remember all your friends from all that time? That's one reason I really like Instagram. And I don't think that's a bad use of time either. I think it's nice to think about your friends and then just continue scrolling. <laughs> all right. Actually, there's only a couple more pieces of, the, of this article and they're both use, They're both helpful or useful or could be. So... Um, too often, we use productivity, time management, and optimization as an excuse to avoid the really difficult question, do I actually need to be doing this? It's a lot easier to just remain busy and tell yourself that you need to be a little bit more efficient or maybe work a little later than to endure the pain of eliminating a task that you're comfortable with doing but isn't the highest and best use of your time. Yeah, you know, I feel like that's kind of like your, st- your stand-up act. You might have... You got to kill your babies, you know? You might... Oh, I really like this idea, but the crowd doesn't like it. You got to get rid of it. And even if it's a good idea, you got to trim it. And and if even if it's a good joke that gets laughs, if you have a better joke that gets better laughs, you got to go with that one. You know, there's like fucking. You're always got to be cutting, dude. Always got to be cutting, cut, 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 cut. This article continues to say, as Tim Ferriss explains, who's Tim Ferriss? He's like some leadership dude or something. I don't fucking know, dude. He says being busy is a form of laziness. What? That's oxymoronic. Lazy thinking and indiscriminate action. Yeah, if you're just like, oh, I'm going to fucking uh, wash my mirrors. Is that the best use of your time? Maybe. If your fucking mirrors are gross, dude. <laughs> Anyways, the Eisenhower matrix is useful because it pushes you to question whether an action is really necessary, which means you're more likely to move tasks to the delete quant- quadrant rather than mindlessly repeating them. And then you can eliminate all the shit that you waste time on and you have all that time back to use on things you actually care about. Although it is kind of nice to pull back and watch Jersey Shore for an hour too, because it's fun and funny. So I would I would also mention that. Uh, one final note: it can be hard to eliminate time wasting activities if you aren't sure what you are working towards. So you always have to pull back to that bigger picture, like the philosophy professor in the fire tower all summer. The two big questions, well, not philosophically, but related to this task, I guess: what am I working toward, and what are the core values that drive my life? Oh, damn! What am I working toward? Is it a a lady and some kids? I don't think so, dude. I don't fucking know, dude. What are the core values that drive my life? Just being in the Peace Corps? I don't, I don't do that stuff. Sorry. I'm a piece of shit. These are questions that this author has asked himself. James Clear is the guy's name if you want to check this out. JamesClear.com. And then just look up Eisenhower Box and you get to his site. Any fucking who... He says that the Eisenhower Matrix isn't a perfect strategy, but it's a useful decision-making tool for increasing your productivity and eliminating the behaviors that take up mental energy, waste time, and don't move you towards your goals. I mean, that's fucking solid advice, you know? If I keep talking for like 40 more seconds or so, this will be a 20-minute long podcast, just three minutes shy of the length of time the podcast needs to be to be eligible for compensation via ad placements. I don't give a fuck, dude. I'm not going to spend fucking three minutes talking to get 60 cents in a fucking ad, dude. Who gives a fuck, bro? No one cares. <laughs> Anyways, if you're in New York, Black Hat LES every Friday at 9, this Friday's lineup, as they all are, is fucking stacked with killers. 
And, uh, you know, Danny Palmer and my state Instagram, hit me up. No one ever does. And uh, I'm going to be c- continuing to open for Julio Gallerati in the road, on the road. In June, we're going to fucking, uh, Na- Na- sorry, Raleigh, then Nashville, then Atlanta. It's going to be sick. And uh, also, I'm going to Portugal for May, in May. I guess I shouldn't say the dates. I don't fucking know. So, you know, I'll have to double up on the pod. No one cares, Danny. Just fucking end it. You've made it to 20 minutes. Thank you so much for listening. I sincerely appreciate my loyal listeners like Haley, you're the best. Have a good fucking weekend, you fucking jerks. I, I mean, this is being released on Wednesday at 2 a.m. I'm not sure why I said have a good weekend, but just generally speaking, I wish I hope that your weekends are are great. And then like Monday through Wednesday, I, I want those to be a little bit tough for you. <laughs> just kidding. All right, I know. Ending the podcast recording for this week. This is episode like fucking 304 or some shit, dude. Is it paying all my rent and bills? It is not. Thank you for listening.